0: Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Warzniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment Guest Line from Hollywood, my guest is an award-winning singer, composer, and trumpeter who won Best EDM Song at the 2016 Hollywood Music and Media Awards, although he performs what he considers a subgenre called TDM, trumpet dance music. He has a multi-decade resume of work with artists from different eras and has created a movement called We Are One which was built off of a song of his by the same name that is the biggest song in the history of pop music based on the number of artists contributing. My guest once played with Dizzy Gillespie and has performed at venues and events ranging from L.A. Fashion Week to Carnegie Hall to the White House to the Hollywood Palladium and even in Las Vegas. He had a song that became the first recording on the Billboard dance music chart by a trumpeter since Herb Alpert more than three decades earlier. He has even played for legendary pop and rock artists including Foreigner, James Brown and Marvin Gaye. You've been hearing a song of his entitled Now or Never. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, David Longoria.
1: Wow, I can't live up to that resume. <laughs> so How are you, Gary?
0: <laughs> very good, thank you. It's all true. It's all true stuff. It's uh, very impressive.
1: I was having a flashback there.
0: With <laughs> the old uh, Groucho Marx, this is your life show, right? I think that's who hosted <laughs> it. That's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, I know we have a lot to talk about today, but... First, I want to make sure that we give you a chance to talk about the song we are just playing. Listeners, this is a little bit of NHTE trivia. At the end of episode 206, when my guest was April Diamond, she talked about that song, and then we played it in its entirety. So unfortunately, I was just talking over it here, and we did not get to play the whole song. So do go listen to that episode and hear the entire song, and you can also hear April's take on it. But in the meantime, David, let's have you talk about Now or Never.
1: Oh, is, is, should I talk about it now or never? Oh no, wait! I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we, uh, <laughs>
0: that song is a crazy,
1: crazy story because uh, I was speaking with a, a filmmaker I know from South Africa who made this action movie. But it's not just an action movie; it's about uh, this character whose family is killed uh, because of uh, cause he sees the wrong thing while pe- people are poaching the rhinos and they, they're killing these beautiful animals for their uh, for the horns. So, uh, uh, so the, the, the character's family is killed, and he goes on about He becomes Rambo or, or something of that nature. And so the whole action movie is based on, on this. So uh, the, the name of the movie is Bloodline, Now or Never. So uh, the, the filmmaker contacted me and said, David, uh, I want you to write a song for this movie that's going to be the theme song. And uh, we talked about some ideas, and then I, I wrote two different things, and neither of I mean, they were good songs, but they didn't say what it was trying to say. I didn't even play them for a filmmaker. So, uh, But then one day it occurred to me, I think I know what this song needs to be. And so I put it, put it in an envelope, and, and I put it away, because he wasn't going to get around to it until, I don't know, eight or nine months later. And then I get a call, and he says to me, hey, you know what? We're going to put the movie out uh, next week to qualify for the Oscars. Wow. Next week, you're going to put the movie on?
0: Wow.
1: So, so he says, Yeah, you got uh, four days. No problem. And so I <laughs> said, Okay, I got four days to write and produce a song that's going to get involved in the Oscars. Okay, that should be easy. Wow. So so I wrote the song, and, and I was trying to get the singers who I had picked out to sing it to come in, and both of them were in, in uh, Chicago and New York, and I couldn't get anybody in town in time. So it was kind of crazy. I said, "Well, I guess I, I I'm gonna have to sing this myself." So mm-hmm. uh, I said, well, I, I could probably for that." I time. "I just ready to sing it, and I get this terrible uh, cold, oh, which no. I never I don't get sick. I get this cold. Now I sound like a, an old blues singer with this great big husky voice." So I said, "Well, this is what I get today." So uh, I, I recorded the song, and, and April Diamond was in the studio. I said, "Hey, can you sing this with me?" She did. So you know, she's uh, she's a really accomplished when I need it. So uh, we, we did that, and the filmmakers loved it. Uh, it. In two days, it got onto the Oscars ballot. Uh, it made the shortlist. Uh, you know, they start with 3,700 songs or whatever it is. Then it gets down to 90 songs. It made the 90 cut, which was mm. really surprising. And then it made the top 50, which is the ballot. How so about that? We got, all the way, we got all the way to the ballot. And unfortunately, you know, Disney made 15 movies that <laughs> they always win with. So... Uh, so we didn't have our chances really, but but it was wonderful to get that much uh, uh, momentum out of this. And, and the movie comes out later this year, uh, and and it's it's a pretty good movie, and and we're really proud
0: of the song. Amazing, amazing, and you know that story to me is a great sign of hope for the listeners who listen to my show every week because they're up-and-comers, they're aspiring performers who are trying to learn from the guests. And I think listeners, if you're one of those people, you should rally around that and say that, you know, I'm not telling you anything you already know. You already know there's going to be a lot of adversity that you're going to have to overcome. But look at everything that David overcame and just kind of, you know, made the most of it and seize the opportunity, and lo and behold, to get that far with it, that, that's a huge shot in the arm for sure, never mind that it, that it didn't win, because as you say, when you go up against someone like Disney, I, I think that's a success story in and of itself, regardless of the outcome, David.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Absolutely. And I, I got about 25 movie companies contact me as soon as they heard the song and, and let me do other things in the movie. So it, it really made its mark in Hollywood already. Uh, I was at an event with uh, some of the, a lot of the Academy members uh, two nights ago, and there had to be seven or eight people came up to me and said, "I just love your song, and, and, you know. It's it's really cool. I um, I voted for it. And said, well, so I got about twelve votes. That's wonderful,
0: awesome. wonderful. Wow, wow. That's that's fantastic. Now, just clarify the idea of the movie. Is that based on a true story or no?
1: Uh, it's it's based on a couple of true stories. He told me that you know he's experienced similar things that that people have told him. And in South Africa, you know, there's um. Well, there's corruption all over the world. We know that. But uh, down there, there's so much corruption where it, it, it's really hard that uh, the, the ju- uh, justice system has a hard time uh, infiltrating or getting past some of the cartels that are doing uh, drug smuggling and, and these rhino horns. Boy, they're killing a lot of those animals. And it's, uh, it's really, you know, they can't do much about it because of the corruption. Hmm.
0: Well, uh, as we're going to hear throughout our conversation today, you are obviously someone who feels strongly about collaboration. We just heard a couple examples there. Number one, this connection that you have with the filmmaker, the the people that you were trying to reach out to to sing the song for you, and then uh, being able to have April Diamond at your disposal to get her to sing on it. But perhaps the best evidence of you feeling strongly about collaboration is the project that I referred to during the intro your song "We Are One," which listeners get this, it was recorded over eighteen months and in twenty-two cities across the U.S. Wow!
1: Is that crazy? That's
0: crazy. Did you at any point ever think, forget it? You know, meaning like this has gotten way too out of hand and it's taking way too long.
1: Well, I laughed continually. I I cannot believe I've gotten into something this deep. But when we first started out doing it, it was going to be the last song that I produced for my album. I have an album called "The Journey." which uh, just came out some months back and uh, on that you know it's it's things that happen in your life Uh, and it's you know everybody has a journey and we all we all have certain things in our lives that we relate to and so so this album wasn't just going to be a bunch of songs it was going to be things that represent a different points in every one of our lives so if you if you listen to this album with headphones on and chill for an hour you're gonna think, Oh my gosh, this reminds me of when I was in middle school or, or uh. when I was in high school and dating and all these different things. And I said, there's a point in the album in your life where you stop thinking about just how cool I am and how far I can get in my life. How can I do something for other people? And I said, I have to write something that reflects that and it that means it needs to incorporate other people. I need to collaborate. I need to bring some other people into it. And I said, Well, the perfect opportunity for that would be to take on uh, what Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie did 30 years ago, and it just happened to be coming up on the 30th anniversary of We Are the World, which, which did so much to feed uh, starving people in Africa. They said, "Well, we've got all these problems in America with all this division, and you know, Black Lives Matter, and people shooting each other, and 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 you can't be on the left, you can't be on the right, you can't feel this way, you can't have a uh, religion, you can't have faith, you can't, you know, all the things that are happening in in the last." Uh, you know, dozen years, and, and I'm just kind of looking at the, the, the news going, wow, we need something that really brings people together. So I said, let's let's just sit down and watch. So as I got that idea in my mind, uh, this song came to be. We Are One, and I, I'd like to say out of the several hundred songs I've written over my career, this was one I really contemplated all the lyrics on to get it just right. But it, that's not true. I, I sat down, and on the back of a phone bill, I just wrote all the lyrics, but it was so easy, it just kind of wow. flowed. Wow! I knew that this was far bigger than me. So I said, well, uh, okay, you know, I'll I'll take this mission, you know, and I feel like uh, everything that happens in my life is inspired by uh, my Creator, who, who, you know, God tells me what I'm supposed to do. And and as crazy as that sounds in 2018, it, it is how I live my life. So... I looked at this and I said, "Well, you know, what? this song is flowing through me, so I'm going to share it with people. I don't have any aspirations of making a dime off it. In fact, let's take anything that this song does and give it back to concerts for kids, to mm. giving scholarships to kids, and do stuff all over the country. There's a lot of healing that needs to happen. So um, I, I told my uh, my engineer and co-producer uh, Robert Ibach. I said to him, "Listen, Robert." You know we're almost done with the album, and we spent a year making this album. Let's just take two weeks and do everything we can do, but just a time limit. You know, within fourteen days, this time is done, and that's. He goes, okay, all right. As long as it's fourteen days, this should be easy. <laughs> so I said, well, our goal is we're going to get twenty artists. You know, we have the world had what sixty-three artists or something on on that one song, and it was amazing that they did that. I said, well, you know, I'm I'm not Michael Jackson or Lionel Richie, so I'm just going to ask whoever, whatever artist. That genuinely would like to join this movement, this little tiny kind minute of movement with me, and let's try and get twenty or twenty-five artists uh-huh. uh, within that two weeks. Uh-huh. So I started off in in New York City. Uh, I was in New York for for some other shows, and so I invited a few people in the studio, and uh, they started talking to people. So other people started wanting to be on it. By the time <laughs> I got back to L.A., I had a, another dozen people wanting to be on it. So. Uh, you know, in two weeks' time, I had probably 35 or 40 people over the record, And it wasn't stopping. People were calling me saying, can hey, I get on that record again?" And, uh, you know, Corey Feldman, uh, you know, he was a, a child actor, and yep. uh, uh, he uh, was a good friend of Michael Jackson. He called me up one day and he said, "Steven, I heard you're redoing Michael's song, and i got to be on it. I said, it, but it's not Michael's <laughs> song. It's, it's like a tribute. He goes, no, I don't care. i got to be on it. So he comes in the studio with the longest limo I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> all these beautiful blondes get out, and like, one after another, and, and it looks like something out of a movie. And he, he comes in there, and he he's, like, channeling Michael Jackson. And I said, wow, I've never experienced this, but he's mm. a great guy. So he, he sings on it, and all these,
0: uh, How about and that? these
1: beautiful blondes all sing. And it's one after another, and over the course of, and it never ended. For two and a half years, really, <laughs> two and a half years, they it used to take to get everybody on this thing. And uh, over that, we've had the coasters, drifters, platters, spinners, uh, you know, the, the dance band, the pointer sisters. The, you, you know, you could, you could only imagine how, uh, how many people have gotten out uh, 750 artists on one song.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: But, you know, when when you talk about collaboration, Okay, I'm about to out for a minute.
0: <laughs> well, but at that point, you know, you can't say, getting back to my original question, when there's that much behind it, and, you know, when God puts it on your heart that this is what you're tasked with doing, you can't say, forget it, this has gotten way too out of hand, it's taking too long. So, oh, you know, absolutely. That's yeah, exactly so God, God bless you for seeing it through.
1: Well, thank you. And, you know, uh, and uh, this, this uh, beginning of the summer... This last year, uh, we had just put uh, the final 750th person on, or something, some number like that. That's just ridiculous. And I got invited to uh, perform on the lawn of the White House for the, the National Day of Prayer uh, for our nation. And it, and it's an organization out of New York that comes there, and every year for 20 years they put on this uh, this day they pray for the, the the leaders of the country, the Congress, the Senate, the the uh, you know the uh, all the mayors, the governors, the, the president, the vice president, all the, everybody you can imagine that's a leader in the country. they them. I said, well, I'm down with that. Let me do that. So we brought all these people from around the country. We sent out a blast and said, hey, anybody wants to join us, come in with us. So you and believe it. We had this mass of people that all said, we are one with us. Uh, uh. Uh, and then the Senate, the Senate gave us a, a private reception there. Uh, and, and we met all these senators and uh, wonderful uh, Congress people. It, it was just an amazing story. wonderful. We taped it, and it's going to be part of our PBS show this coming year.
0: Well, you know, and it doesn't seem like you're someone that needs affirmation, but at the same time, you get that kind of reception, and you say, "Okay, you know this this is just another affirmation of why I was meant to do this project." And and it probably warmed your heart to see that kind of acceptance.
1: Exactly, you know, you know, it's true, and. I don't think anybody gets into show business without a real designer. system just an applause.
2: <laughs> but, uh,
1: you know, I think, but, but, you know, tempering that with with a good mindset is that, you know, we do want that affirmation. We want to know that we're, first of all, on the right path. Am I doing what I was right. put on the planet right. to do? And then when people say, ah, oh, that song really touched me, whatever the song is. And, and we are one, uh, I could, man, I could give you stories of famous, famous people who were in the studio and, and uh, this person cried because, uh, you know, there was one really famous artist who, uh, she was, uh, uh, she's a black lady who grew up in Detroit. And she was talking about how when she was a kid, her family was, uh, you know, she, her, uh, she was the daughter of, of a lawyer. And um, so they had money and they, they lived in a good part of suburbia. Uh, but that didn't fit in with the Detroit uh, white people in that, that neighborhood. And then when she went to school, she was kind of integrated with a lot of black people who thought she didn't fit in with them because mm. she was in the wrong part of town living with a different life than they did. Mm-hmm. So she said, my whole life I felt unaccepted. And she said, this song, if I'd had this song, I would have listened to this song every day of my childhood. And she nearly wow. she cried for about 10 minutes before before she could sing. Mm. And that, that touched me so much that, that it reminded me how important it is for us to do things that can touch people. Sometimes it's something uh, you know, this of this magnitude, and sometimes it's just a lyric that can can empower people or, or uh, give, give people a little bit of extra strength and encouragement.
0: Yep, yep, that's right, that's right. Well, listeners, you're going to hear a recurring theme throughout this interview today, in that David has met and worked with so many people over his career. And David, in a number of locations, too, for your, forgive me if I'm, if I'm mispronouncing this, for your Baila CD, am I saying that's that? That's perfect. Baila. Okay. Uh, for your Baila CD, good. you even filmed music videos in Spain, Poland, Germany, France, Central America, and here in the U.S. Well, why the decision to spend so much time, money, and travel on those instead of just shooting them all right where you are in Hollywood? Air miles. I just need the air miles.
1: <laughs> no, no, you know what's funny? What I like to do is, uh, you know, in a, in a music video, but, you know, you're going to try to do everything you can on a shoestring. So what I did was uh, when I was doing, uh, whenever I was touring somewhere, I would uh, make sure that our crew... Got it together, and they filmed, what uh, and, and then we try and shoot some stuff. We're in Spain, so let's shoot out on the streets of Spain. And, wow. and uh, you know, we're in Barcelona with all these mosaics, and these beautiful things. Let's grab that, you know. Wow. And, and I incorporated all that stuff in our TV special, uh, which uh, ran on all the PBS stations, uh, and that's online too. People can go there and watch that show, and it's pretty cool because you know we got all these video clips in it from from all over the world, and that's performing, and and, and you know it's just. It makes it more fun for everybody, I think.
0: And, how, and And I love the resourcefulness, you know, of, of seizing what you have there available and not having downtime where let's go sightseeing. Well, yeah, it might be nice, but at the same time, let's be resourceful and use these great locations to, to get some good footage.
1: Exactly. And that's my argument when, when everybody in my band says, uh, David, why do we have this
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of resources, tell the listeners about Del Oro Music.
1: Yes, well, you know, um, uh, I've uh, for for since I was 17 years old, I've been producing a lot of music, and uh, I've always I've done many things with all the major labels really over the years. Uh, but I, I never wanted to get caught up in all the politics and the craziness of of these corporations. So, and that's not to say that you know the people who are there are evil or anything. It's just that uh, it doesn't fit with my way of thinking in a lot of things. So I just want to make great music and and, and get it out there the right ways. So I started a little boutique company um, several years ago, and uh, the name was. Uh, I wanted to have a name that represented me and what what uh, I want my standard to be. We're not trying to be uh, Warner Brothers or or Atlantic or Epic or any of those kind of mm-hmm. companies. We're just a little tiny company. And then a lot of times our records have gotten picked up by those majors, and and we'll you know let them distribute it beyond there. Uh, but uh, Del Oro is, uh, is Italian and Spanish for from the gold, and it's like uh, to me, the gold standard is uh, is as good as it gets. Mm. You know, you don't go to the Olympics to try and get the aluminum. Yeah. You know, you, you want the gold. Yeah. So, uh, and then uh, then also, uh, DEI, the yellow part is my initials. So, to me, it was like I'm going to put my heart out there and put everything everything that I want to become gold. That's what I, want
0: I like to. it. I like it. Listeners, if you are a recording artist who isn't able to record in a studio, there are lots of solutions for great quality recording on your own with a number of options from Tascam. They have a long history and a long line of recording equipment that will allow you to get a top-level finished sound that you can use for demos, release for sale, or both. A number of guests who have been on this show have talked about their use of Tascam gear. Jessica Lynn, Derek Norsworthy, the Hazelrig brothers. Plus, those of you who are regular listeners to this show know that I use all Tascam gear in putting this show together every week. Go to Tascam.com, that's T-A-S-C-A-M.com, and check out all the audio recording solutions that they have David, let's get back to We Are One. We talked about your having put together the song itself, but tell the listeners more about the actual movement and what all that entails.
1: Well, you know, uh, as soon as I, I got the song going and the whole music business was buzzing about it, I didn't put out a press release or anything. I just, the word got out. All the labels are calling me saying, hey, can this person get on? We've got a new artist. Can she get on? And, and so I said, absolutely. I haven't turned away uh, anybody that's an artist uh to, to sing on this because I, I think this needs to be all about including
2: people, mm-hmm.
1: you know, not, uh, excluding people. So, um, throughout this it's just been really inclusive. And, uh, I, uh, got a call from a friend of mine, uh, who is uh, one of the all time greats in the music industry. Uh, and uh, a lot of, um, musicians will know his name, uh, Russ Regan. And he's, uh, he ran universal, he ran MTA, he ran, Many many labels over the years, and he's retired now. But he was driving through town. He out in Palm Springs, and he was coming through town. He goes, "Hey David, I'm I'm near you. Can I stop by?" I go, "Absolutely, Russ." Uh, and he comes by, and he goes, "Yeah, I haven't seen you in a while." So you know, he, he says, "But but let me tell me about this song of yours." I go, "Which song?" He goes, "Come on, tell me about the song of yours. Everybody's buzzing in Hollywood <laughs> about it." I go, and you heard about it in Palm Springs? He goes, "Look." I'm tired, but I'm not dead. (laughs) Uh, So he says, yeah, uh, and and I'm going to be honest with you. I've always been honest with you. You've always been honest with me. Uh, You know, he says, and uh, you're my friend. I'm not going to let you waste your time and money if this isn't going to be good. Mm. And I said, okay, well, I'll let you know when it's done. He goes, no, I want to hear it today. And if it's not good, please, I'm going to tell you and take my advice. And this is the guy who, let me just give you a tiny biography of this guy. He's, he discovered Elton John. Oh, boy. He discovered the, the Beats Boys and gave them their name. He, uh, you know, Sunny and Cher. Uh, you know, wow. he, he got Jesus Christ Superstar made. Wow. He, you know, he, like, it's this long list, super list of, of 50 years of the music industry. So uh, when he says something about a song, <laughs> this is a man who I trusted absolutely. Uh I don't I have never heard of something that he was wrong on in, in my entire career. Mm-hmm. So now I'm scared to death <laughs> to let him hear my song. I really literally am. And uh Robert who's in there working with me, I said, Joe, you know, could you go get us some lunch and come back he, and and rush us? No, 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 he he's not a leader, let me just listen. And I'm going, Oh no. If he tells me this is this is terrible or or you know, it's okay but it's not great, so don't waste your time and money. I don't want Robert to be jaded right. by right. that. So I'm honestly thinking Oh no! I hope this is uh, like the worst day of my career. <laughs> so, uh, so I play it for Russ, and he goes, "Play it again for me." And and hmm. uh, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's probably a good sign. Uh-huh. Maybe he's looking for some redeeming quality. Or something. <laughs> so uh, I play it again. He goes, uh, "Yeah, you got a hit here, but but it's not just a hit. It's a movement. Got to, uh, this is a this is bigger than a song. You got to go out there and you got to really wow. bring this to the people." Wow. And I said, "Okay, well, you're you're, you're looking at my notes here, because that's what." Uh, that's what I think is supposed to happen with it. So that, that was just like one of those affirmations in life yeah. that makes me go, okay, I believe about this. This, this could really, this should happen. Wonderful.
0: Wonderful. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is someone informed me of their guitar getting stolen while they were out performing. Let this be what gets you to stop and assess what you are doing security-wise when all your gear is on stage and you are not. And, worst-case scenario, do you have a second guitar in your car that you can run and get in the unfortunate event that this happens to you? Remember, the show must go on, so make a plan for when you go on break or even just to the restroom. Don't assume everything is safe just because it hasn't happened in all your years of playing. You never think it's going to happen to you, So don't let it. Have a plan to discourage would-be thieves. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus.
2: That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away.
0: In the intro, I alluded to TDM, trumpet dance music. You've had success getting DJs. I'm talking about Club, G, club DJs, producers, as they're sometimes called, to pick up your songs. Just take us through that. A, a trumpeter deciding that his songs could be utilized by DJs, and then also the acceptance that you started to experience from the people that they were then playing them for also.
1: That is crazy. And you know what? TBM, I think, it was sort of a little a joke of mine that uh, I don't know how you even found out about <laughs> that. But, uh, you know, I, I was around all these EDM DJs, you know, including the uh, uh, I, I can't remember who was there at the time, but uh, you know uh, Morgan Page and uh, uh, Hardwell and uh, uh, Tiesto, so, a bunch of mm. really super DJs. And I was having this conversation with a bunch of people, and then they said, "Well, you know, like EDM is where it's all at." And I said, you well, know that's not true. TDM was, is the new thing." And they all kind of everybody gets quiet. So, what is that? I go, "Well, it's not electronic. It's trumpet dance music." And they all kind of get a chuckle with me about it. But uh, so I don't know how that got out. Everybody knows about it. So, uh, but, but the idea was that I've always loved all kinds of music. You, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I studied classical music. And uh, until I discovered jazz, that was the only thing I listened to was, was classical music. And then I discovered jazz and I started hearing some things. And I thought, wow, what a cool thing that people can can uh, create fresh music right here on the spot and it's not relying on anything else. And, and the great Al Hurt was a trumpet player. And, and I listened to him and he just made the trumpet sing with all these flowing notes and so i said well i just love all kinds of music now and uh when um when i discovered dance music said that that was so much fun that a lot of it doesn't have real good melodies to it it doesn't have real good i can contribute a lot in this world in that dance world so uh, i started working on a lot of records and i worked on hundreds and hundreds of dance records giving them little melody hooks because i think in melodies because of my trumpet i think uh, but so I would contribute uh, to hundreds and hundreds of these records all over Europe and all over the U.S. And then uh, I started doing some songs where I'd written many songs for other artists, and I sat down one day and said, "So I got this idea for a song, and and uh, one in particular, I said uh, I like all I have so many friends that do zumba, and I said, well, 'Well, I'm going to write a song for, for the zumba classes that's just going to be fun to be a trumpet song.'" Huh. So I wrote this melody, and uh, I couldn't use the name Zumba because they own it. Yeah. So I said, "Well, it's going to be Zumba So I wrote, <laughs> I wrote this song called Zumba loomba and uh, it's just a real fun, catchy melody dance song. And I sent it out to some DJs, and, and I want to tell you, everybody picked up on this song. Mm. I got great remixers all over the world to, to remix it. And, and it really took over the dance trunks for quite a while. I love it. And Zumba classes, like the ever, ladies everywhere were exercising the dance track track.
0: Ah. So
1: So uh, that was kind of, that, that was really the start I of it. I love
0: it. I love it. Back on episode 170 of this show, my guest was Carl Fisher, the trumpet player for Billy Joel. Among other things, he talked about the release of his own signature model trumpet, as well as his own line of trumpet and flugelhorn mouthpieces. David, in your case, it is said that you have had the same trumpet since you were 10 years old. Is is that true? You know
1: what? Uh, I, I grew up on a farm where I was kind of uh, financially challenged, if you could put it that way. Um, and so uh, my parents, uh, you know, my dad uh, pawned some of his uh, tools to buy me a clarinet because I had heard Pete Bouton play that clarinet. Uh-huh. And it was just so beautiful. And so I'm this nine-year-old kid getting a, a clarinet, and my fingers were just too small to cover the holes. So all I did was squeak all day long. Uh, so uh, I'd go out in the pasture with the goats and the horses, and I'd be playing. And none of the animals wanted to hear that clarinet because <laughs> it was so squeaky. But I, I literally practiced every day on that thing. And after almost a year, it didn't sound good at all. Uh-huh. So my mom called me inside one day and goes, I hey, quick uh, Pete Fountain's gonna be on TV in three minutes, so I run in ten acres across the pasture and get in there, and I hear him, and I'm just sitting, I'm almost crying because he sounds so good and I don't. <laughs> and then uh, all of a sudden, the camera switches to this this big guy with a beard, this, this big husky guy, and he's playing some other instrument, and uh, it turns out it was a trumpet, and that guy was Al Hurt. I uh. said to my mom, Who is that? What is that instrument? She goes. That's the trumpet. I go, well, that's what I'm supposed to play. I threw my clarinet down, never tried it again, mm. and I said, i got to get that trumpet. And so my parents were not happy with that because, you know, my dad didn't have any more tools to buy. <laughs> so uh, I, I took my son back down to the pawn shop and tried to get him to, uh, to uh, upgrade it to, uh, to a trumpet. And they had this really pretty trumpet that was kind of beat up, but it was old, and it was $65 at this pawn shop in my little hometown. So I talked the guy into giving it to me on a layaway. He wouldn't take the, the clarinet as a, as a down payment. Uh-huh. So I had to pay that $65. I had $5. <laughs> so I gave it to him. And then every week I'd come in with some change. It was like $1.32 this week, $1.60 or oh whatever. It was. And it literally it took a year and a half to pay off wow. that trumpet. So when I got that trumpet, it meant the world to me. I mean, the world to me. So uh, I've never changed trumpets. That's been my trumpet my well, whole career. Well, I football. like
0: that story, and I and I believe me, believe me, I very much understand how meaningful it is to you. But why not at some point finally move into something new to see what has changed? You know, as I mentioned with Carl Fisher, maybe pursue an endorsement, th- those types of things to to still hang on to that one, but say, okay, you know, maybe this one goes on a shelf somewhere, and I need to start playing the latest and greatest.
1: Well. You know, there's I think there's a, a psychological uh, side to this. You, you know, uh, when when I moved to L.A., I was uh, a teenager and I, I showed up in L.A. with a bag of clothes, literally a grocery bag of clothes, uh, my trumpet and six dollars. And so I wow. said, you know, make it or break it. I'm I'm here. I'm going to take over this town. I'm going to do what I can do. And they're going to have to pay me to do it. That's all there is. To it. <laughs> so uh, that trumpet, you know, I would play on the street corners to get money. For a hotel room, or well, more more realistically, the YMCA room Mm. at the night. And so, so it was. At times, were tough, but that trumpet always was there for me. So I I feel like it. You know, it's definitely a part of me. And uh, that being said, uh, a very major instrument company. I won't say which one, but uh, and it wasn't Taskam. It came to me and uh, said, uh, David, here we're going to send you some trumpets and bugle horns, and all you have to do is play them on stage and, and wear our shirt and talk about how. This brand was excellent because they are the super
0: excellent uh-huh.
1: brand, and they sent me all this money's worth of the horns, and I played them, and they were just wonderful to play. They were so much easier to play than my trumpet, but I, this emotional thing, honestly, yeah. this yeah. kept me playing my trumpet. Yeah. I sent them back. I
0: sent them back. Wow. Yeah, it's it sounds like you almost felt like I I owe it to you, trumpet. You you've been with me since I was a kid. I I owe it to you to keep. It's absolutely yeah. true.
1: And I've had, you know, I've had to have all kinds of uh, repairs done to it. You know, solder this when it falls apart, and stuff like that. But it's it's a vintage. It's a 1958 old trumpet. And uh, so the the company that made that trumpet, though, I spoke with them uh, a couple of months ago at the NAMM show, and uh, they're real interested in in uh, creating a David Longoria trumpet. And I've been kind of designing what I think it should be if it's um uh, it's an affordable yet Real uh, easy to play trumpet for a lot of my fans okay. who okay. follow me on Instagram and and those things. So I I put out the the feelers and I I got a lot of people saying they would buy a David Longoria trumpet. So I said well, okay, this year we're going to develop that. Good, so it's, good, it's work.
0: good. So do you consider yourself a trumpeter first, meaning singer and composer come second and third, or maybe it's trumpeter first, composer second, singer third? Is is that is that you know trumpeter first? Is that locked in?
1: Well, you know what? I, I, the most passion I have is for the trumpet, honestly, because that's that's how I connect. When I play the trumpet, I don't care what kind of music it is, I'm in that moment. I close my eyes and I go somewhere, and it's just it's an amazing experience for me uh, as an artist. Uh, when I'm writing a song, I love writing songs. I produce all kinds of artists. I work with just uh, all kinds of major people from pop and R&B and gospel, rock. I, I, any style of the music that I'm working on is is the only style of music for me at that moment. And I just really, really dig every every kind of artist and, and, and work with different kinds of people. But when it, when it comes down to uh, the first, I think that the first thing is me being able to play the trumpet. And then second after that is songwriting. And, and uh, uh, singing comes in there because I like to be able to express the song, but uh, you know, and I do, I sing about half the songs in my show.
0: Okay, okay. I am joined today by Hollywood-based trumpeter, composer, and singer David Longoria. Check him out online at davidlongoria.com. He is seemingly everywhere else online, too. You will find David on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Plus, his music is on SoundCloud, one of the platforms that the show is available on, as well as Spotify, iTunes, and other online streaming platforms and music retailers. Also, check out weareoneconcerts.org. Meanwhile, if you find value in listening to Now Hear This Entertainment, whether that's just this episode or you've listened to several or hopefully you're a subscriber and you listen every week. If you get entertainment value from the show and or if you feel that my guests and I bring you educational value, I would greatly appreciate your support of the Patreon campaign we have going on our website, nhte.net. There is a button to go over to it or you can head directly to patreon.com slash nhte. David, you have some ties to a couple past guests on this show. Obviously, April Diamond, I mentioned at the beginning, she was on uh, NHTE episode 206. Plus, there's a picture on your website of you performing at Union Station in Los Angeles in October 2016. And among those mentioned in conjunction with that performance are April Trent Park and the guest from NHTE 159, Melinda Hale. Uh, so just ah, just yes. talk about how well your career has been served by getting out and performing and working with and meeting so many people versus some artists who just can't break out of their shell, and then they wonder why they're not getting the opportunities that they see others being involved with.
1: Well, you know, that, that's actually a really good series of questions all, all in one. Uh, you know, while uh, working with Trent and uh, Melinda, both of them sang on We Are One, and I brought them in because they're both really underutilized artists in the music world because they both have an incredible charisma about them. Uh, Melinda has one of the most blessed voices I know. And, and you know, I've worked with Aretha Franklin, the Pointer sisters, the, you know, like wow. all, all kinds of amazing voices. Wow. And I come back to Melinda and say, this girl should be everywhere. And um, and Trent's another one that just has this wonderful sound about him and the spirit. These people have spirits about them, too. And, you know, when, when you get to know people, you, you understand that it goes beyond what their, their vocal prowess or their ability to play an instrument. It comes down to, like, who are these people as, as people? Uh, and, and as we look at this, uh, and to talk to address where other artists and up and coming artists can do better. If, if you realize that we are our own worst enemies most of the time uh, as artists, we, we tend to get stubborn and not go with the flow of uh, the path of least resistance and, and sometimes when when uh, the world is opening up you know, uh, of opportunities th- those doors are opening, go through that door don't say well no I'm not going to do that I'm going do something different uh, because sometimes the opportunities that are afforded each of us, are just by showing up and going through the door. Uh, I I know so many artists who who say, yeah, well, I was given this opportunity, this opportunity, this opportunity, but that's not fitting with what I want Mm -hmm. to do here. And then I think about it and go, you spent 10 years not doing something (laughs) instead of, you know, doing the one thing that would have put you on television or, or, you know, get your message out. So uh, a lot of times it's just, it's just being available and being alert to what kinds of things are out there because, all of us that that have a talent, uh, I, I think that we have a tremendous responsibility to use it and, and touch other people's lives. You, you know, sometimes if a song can can motivate somebody or inspire or remind somebody, you know, maybe just a little flashback to that relationship or that that moment in your life where you realize what love is or what what sharing with other people's is all about. All those things are are keys that each of us as artists can contribute to other people's lives if we try. And when we contribute to other people's lives, it comes back to you, and it becomes something that you get fans from it. People connect with you, and they really get your message.
0: Well, and plus, you know, let's let's look at the business side of it for a minute, and say you meet these people, and initially you think, "I don't really know that I want to do this," and and you are someone that just kind of stays in your own little cone. But you meet, let's say, Melinda Hale, for example. Well. You may not ever end up really doing anything but Melinda Hale, with Melinda Hale, but you have to ask yourself, who does she know? So the more people you meet, you may not do something with those people, but it's the people that they know that if you do make that good impression and you go into it with the spirit that you're describing, that they're going to remember the, the experience that they had with you. And they may say, you know what, I just worked with someone on a project. I should connect the two of you. And all of a sudden, you've made this. Kind of secondhand connection, just by taking a little bit of a step out of your normal character and, and getting involved with this person.
1: That is so true. And, and uh, along uh, hand in hand with that is, is another aspect of this, and that is that um, you know, like I, I, it's easy for us when we get a little bit of success under our belt and people like the songs we do. A lot of a lot of my songs hit the Billboard charts, or they win Grammys, they they win Latin Grammys. We've got all these awards and all these great things. But then there's another part of this where you've got to keep your head level and say, uh, I've got to learn every day. If, if I don't learn something every day, uh, I'm not moving forward. I'm stagnating. I'm moving backwards. So if I work with uh, uh, Melinda Hill or Trent uh, or any of these people, they've got something that I don't have. And, and it doesn't matter how much success either of us has. It comes down to I'm going to learn something from them and from the experience of working with them. And if you keep your mind open to learning from other people, uh, the, the experience is just
0: priceless. Yes, yes, very good, very good. By the way, listeners, I hope you know by now that whenever I mention a previous episode of NHTE, we do put links to those episodes on the show page for each particular episode. So on the episode 221 David Longoria page, there will be links to those that have been mentioned already, April Diamond, Carl Fisher, Melinda Hale. Heck, we'll even include a link way back to episode 57 when the guest was trumpeter Ron Modell. David, let's talk about names now. We'll have a little fun as as we're in the home stretch here. Those of us here in the greater Tampa Bay area know Evan Longoria from all his years playing for the Tampa Bay Rays, although now he's a San Francisco Giant. I'm sure that with all that you've done throughout your career, it must be frustrating that instead of all that, one of the first questions you probably get from people is about Eva Longoria.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because uh, I think – uh, I'm very blessed to be part of a family that, and it's not a very big family, it's a family that came from Spain and Italy and uh, the family, when it came over to America, uh, there's several people that I'm, you know, I'm proud of all these different Longorias and we're all related and it's, it's uh, we we're, we all know of each other. So, you, you know, we connect uh, 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 Evan I just, Barely connected with him a little bit but what a great record he has you know came from southern california and uh, had a tremendous success uh already and he's still going yeah. he's going strong yeah. and uh eva has, has done beautifully uh, you know but all of us uh, i think we all, all have a real work ethic we want to get out there and do the best at our craft we, we're all gifted with different things and and uh you know, you got to come to my house for Thanksgiving sometimes. All these there.
0: <laughs> I will consider that an invitation. <laughs> uh, and please, please come on and, and who is Lucas Longoria? Oh, Lucas. He's he's the he's the crown prince of Delora. <laughs> um,
1: he is my son, who uh, just turned thirteen uh, on the at the end of March twenty ah. ninth, and uh, he, he is so special. He, uh, his middle name is Auric, which is Latin for gold. And, you know, obviously I have an obsession with gold with all all these things uh, in my life named after him. And and so uh, the other artists I work with were uh, actually kind of upset at me because uh, five days after he was born, he was listed in Billboard magazine because, you know, they have a little thing that talks about uh, celebrities, uh, kids, and that sort of thing. (laughs) So they they wrote up a thing about him he's (laughs) born. So all the other artists and shit said me. How come on? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But no, he's very priceless, and, and he—he started learning the trumpet when he was three. Wow. Uh, he watched me playing on stage, and he just—he took to it. And I'm not one of those parents that wants to like you got to do what I do at all. Mm-hmm. I just—I wanted to have a great education, you know. We homeschool him, so he learns all kinds of things, and you know, he—he's getting a great, well-rounded education. But but he definitely has a gift for music. He you know he has incredible pitch, and and he just has a beautiful spirit about him where he wants to help people and do great things.
0: For wonderful, people. wonderful. Well, we're going to close today with a song of yours called Playground. Before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please.
1: Oh, this is so fun. You know, we put out a song uh, on The Journey. There's a song called Playground, and it represents, I was explaining how uh, the whole album, The Journey, is about all the different things that happen in your life. Well, uh, after you're born and, and you start you're a little toddler you're a kid uh, playground's supposed to be that time where you just it's sort of a time of innocence it's just let's have some fun mm-hmm. and uh, so I said well let's let's not make it so it's so childlike though that uh, adults can't listen to it so I said well let's approach it from the EDM side where it's like uh, you go to a club and it's it's your playground tonight let's just let loose and,
2: yeah. and sing
1: and dance so, so I did that as an instrumental and then I said one well, day you know, I'm going to add a vocalist to it who should I add so I literally tried fifty people out singing wow. the vocal I, I wrote for this, and nobody was really wow. nailing it. And I knew that uh, Dallas Lovato has this really amazing voice. She does, and uh, she's uh, you know she has she comes from a famous family. Her younger sister is um, well, she has two younger sisters, uh, Madeline De La Garza, who is uh, an actress uh, with Abby Longoria on uh, Des- *Desperate Housewives*, and she's. She has a beautiful voice as well. And uh, their whole family is really blessed. And the other sister is a a pop singer named Demi Lovato, who a lot of people will know. And then their mom is uh, uh, Diana De La Garza, who is a best-selling author now. She was a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. So I know this family. They're just beautiful, beautiful people. They've been through a lot, but they've come out of it. Uh, on top of everything. And so I, I called Dallas and I said, Hey, listen, I really want to hear you sing on this song. She goes, Oh, that sounds perfect. It's, it's right up my alley, playground, it's like fun. And but I'm in Texas for a month. Oh, no. So we put it off and put it off. So finally, when she came back, I waited for her to sing it. And I said, I hope I'm waiting for her. <laughs> as soon as she sang it, she was the right voice for it. She's just so fun and playful. And a lot of people say she sounds a lot like uh, Demi, her sister. But she has her own style and her own sound, and she's just adorable. When, when you see her, like we're making the video next week, and when you see her in the video, it's just nothing but fun.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. David, this has been very enjoyable. I'm really glad that we got to talk, and uh, congratulations on all your success. Thanks for making time to talk to me today.
1: Thank you, Bruce. It's so much fun. And by the way, uh, when you go back to Pastam, tell them they are a big part of my career as well. My first album called Montage buy on eBay for you know 33 cents. That I made it on an 80-8, their old uh, eight-track uh, deck, and it was just so amazing. That that equipment has held up for years. There
0: you even. go. There you go. I will tell them thank you for that. Listeners, <laughs> that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to trumpeter, composer, and singer, I should even say producer, David Longoria. Do check him out online at DavidLongoria.com. And, of course, engage with him on social media, meaning like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. Again, his music is streaming on Spotify. Plus, just like NHTE, it's on SoundCloud. But do purchase David's music by downloading from iTunes and similar online music retailers. And, again, do also check out We Are One Concerts. I would be ever so grateful, ever so grateful for your consideration of the Patreon campaign for this show. Go to our website, nhte.net and click on the Patreon button there or head directly to patreon.com slash nhte. Thanks ever so much for listening. As promised, we will send you out today with another song from David Longoria. This is the one he just talked about with Dallas Lovato. It's called Playground.
2: Put your hands